Thank you, Lord. If you're able to stand, why don't you stand? Let's pray together. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift up your voice to the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you're ruling and reigning today over my life. Lord, you're alive. You're the risen Savior, the conquering King. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, tune in our ears today. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying, Lord, in our day, this day, today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. This is the day that you have made. You have formed and fashioned this day. You've put breath in my lungs this day. Lord, you've put me around this body this day. Lord, you've created in me a clean heart this day. Lord, salvation is unto me this day. Lord, I'm living in the fullness of the Spirit today, this day. Thank you, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will bless the Lord. All that is in me, in me, bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I might just start preaching. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> Today's the day that the Lord has made. I will be gloomy and sad about it. No, I, I will rejoice. I will dance and spin about wildly. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. Lord Jesus, some of you need a being this morning. In Him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> Christianity is not dead. I have a risen Savior who is alive. I have the joy of the Lord in my life. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many of you have your Bibles this morning? Let me see your Bibles, your devices, whatever you're using this morning. Hallelujah. I love it. I love seeing the, the Word of God, whether it's on an iPad or whatever it's on. Just get it out. Get it handy. Get your notes ready. We're going to Mark chapter 5. We're going to continue our Kingdom Living series this morning. Before we move on to today, I just want to reflect on last week that we are a victorious church. That Jesus is building a victorious church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We talked about that, uh, that, that Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I'm building my church. The rock of, of your confession, the rock of your confession of faith, the rock of Christ, and the rock of your life. That we're living stones being built together into a dwelling place of the Lord. That cross, Christ, is our, Christ is our rock. Hallelujah. <laughs> Christ is our rock. That just as the rock followed the Israelites in the wilderness, that rock was Christ. And from that rock, they drew drink of spiritual drink. We're drinking from the rock of Christ today and then the rock of our confession. We do not shrink back in our confession, but we hold fast, the Bible says, our confession of faith. 
And so we confess that He is our Lord, He's our Savior, He's our baptizer in the Holy Ghost, He's our healer, He's my deliverer. Man, you just, sometimes you just got to confess your way into breakthrough. You just got to keep on. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is the Lord of the breakthrough. Amen. Sometimes you just need to stand on that. Stand firm. Hold fast the confession of your faith that He is the Lord of the breakthrough in your life. Hallelujah. We're going to continue on today. Title of today's message is Problems or Pigs. You can have my problems or my pigs. We're going to talk about that today. But let me say this if you're taking notes, write this down. A kingdom life changes your problems and deals with your obstacles. When you're living a kingdom life, God wants to deal with your problems. And we don't, we don't like that. You know, we, we say, oh, I'm going to live an overcoming life. But when Jesus starts dealing with the nitty-gritty things, sometimes it gets uncomfortable. God wants to deal with your problems and your obstacles. That means we have to be willing to not only confront the problem, but allow God to deal with our pigs, too. In Mark chapter 5, how many of you have got it? Say Amen. I'm going to read that in just a moment, but Hebrews reminds us that we are to what? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every, say it with me, every weight and sin. David had to cut off the head of the Goliath. He had to cut off the head of his giant. It was messy. It was bloody. We know this story. I've referenced it for the past couple of weeks. When God deals with our problems, he cuts the head off of the problem. And then he's got to deal with these things called weights. He'll deal with your sin. When you get born again, he deals with your sin. He deals with the attitude of your heart. He deals with the, the, the issues uh, of sin. But then he starts digging around in our character. He starts digging around in our nature and starts digging around with the pigs of our life, the weights of our life, and says, you're going to look like me. You're the kingdom life is looking like Christ. Come on, don't shout me down this morning. Said, so let us lay aside the weight and sin that so easily clings to us. The ESV version says, so easily clings to us. Have you ever um, done laundry and had static cling? Come to church in the morning and your pants are just stuck to you, your dress is stuck to you, whatever. And you're static clean. You got to get the, the anti static spray and it just follows. You're like, get off, get off. And then you start picking up lint everywhere you go and you find out that there's more lint on the floor when you fall out on the power. And you're like, get. I thought I was set free this morning, but I got cling all over me and I got static picking up the issues. That's what we do. We go through life, and if we're not careful, we have the issue of static cling in our spiritual life, and we start picking up things we were never intended to pick up. And before we know it, you start looking at your wedding dress, and it's covered with static and issues. Jesus is going to deal with them issues. <laughs> in Mark chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1, it says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Let me just pause here uh, and say this about the night before and what Jesus was doing. In Mark chapter 4, he had been teaching his disciples. He had, they, they had a, a gathering around the sea, if you will. And then he spent some time with his disciples. And he says to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. 
This is, this is the only reason, as far as I can tell, the only reason Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He went with the intention of dealing with the demoniac of the Gadarenes. As soon as he healed this man, he went back. But, but he came across the sea at night and dealt with the storm at night in order to get to this man. Isn't that just like Jesus, that he will cross the sea at night in the middle of the storm to come to you in the middle of your torment to say, I'm going to deliver you and set you free. This, this man had been tormented uh, for a long time, and Jesus was coming to set him free. It's, it's interesting, Jesus, that he gets out on the boat. You know the story. They get out on the boat, and a storm comes on the boat. And where's Jesus? He's asleep. In the middle of the torment, in the middle of the problem, Jesus is fast asleep. Can I just pause and say this? That any storm you can sleep through, you can have victory over. Any storm that you're willing, it's okay, I got this. The authority of Christ, he's got this. There's one word, one word's peace to this storm will calm the problem. I can sleep through this. I, can, I don't have to worry about what my enemy says about me. I don't have to worry about what that situation is going to turn out like or look like. Why? Because I can rest my head and sleep at night knowing that Jesus has got this under control. Jesus was fast asleep on the boat, and his disciples were worried. The disciples had authority. The disciples had authority over this storm, but Jesus, they had to get Jesus up out of the boat. They needed Jesus to literally come up. The Bible says that he came up to the bow of the boat, and he said, shh. That's literally the Greek. He went, shh, just shh, peace. And the storm quieted. Not only did Jesus go out on the Sea of Galilee that night to bring peace to a tormented man. He went out in the middle of a sea to bring peace to disciples who needed to see who he really was in the midst of a storm. See, I don't know what you came with today or what life brings you today or what your story is today. But Jesus is well aware and he's crossed over the Sea of Galilee, if it were, today. He's come to your house today. He's come into your room today to say, I'm going to bring peace to that troubled storm. I'm going to bring peace to that troubled family. I'm going to bring peace to that troubled marriage. I'm going to bring peace to that troubled job situation. I'm going to bring peace to those troubled financial difficulties. Does anybody hear me this morning? Jesus has come across the sea to meet with you today. Jesus has come across your sea of trouble, your sea of storm. Come on, somebody. Jesus has come across the sea of your storm to bring peace in the middle of your torment today. Hallelujah. So he comes to this man. He, he's, he comes out to the Gadarenes. And he's met by this man who'd been living in the tombs. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but tombs are not my favorite place to hang out. I grew up in this little, little spit-in-the-road town, and right across from our house was a graveyard. Now, I, I don't know about you, but as a kid, there's all kinds of stories that go around about the graveyard. And I lived across the street from the graveyard. 
And my school was just over the cornfield from the graveyard. So you could see from our school the graveyard in my house. And everybody always had stories about what happened in that graveyard. And it freaked me out because I lived across the street from the graveyard. I didn't know if Aunt Susie or Uncle Bill, who was in the graveyard, was going to come find me at night in my house across the street. I don't like the the graveyard thing. In New Orleans, living in New Orleans, all of you know our our, our graveyards in in New York, New Orleans were were tourist attractions. I don't know. I don't know what gets into people to think that a graveyard is a tourist attraction. Just because we put people above the ground there, they're still dead. Them bones are still there. We like to look at them every once in a while in New Orleans. You open up the crypt and you see all granny and grandpa, they're all in there. (laughs) Y'all laughing because you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's true. I can tell you, I've done some funerals at those crypts and and, and families who say, hey, we want to put our loved one in the crypt. And the funeral home directors open up and there's family just laying there in front of you. And those are, those are tourist attractions. And people, people like those things. I don't like the graveyards. This man was living in the graveyard. He was living in the tombs. He was an outcast and he was living in the cemetery. And he was so out of his mind. He was so deranged. The Bible says that no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart, and the shackles broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. The existence of this man was a wretched, tormented existence. He was bound with chains. People were trying to tame him. They were trying to put shackles and chains on him to to restrain him to the tombs. They were trying to restrain him to to the cemeteries, to a graveside, to a mountainside. And he was so powerful, So tormented by these devils that he was pulling them apart and and breaking them. He was naked and naked as a jaybird, just running out. Can you imagine? This This is the story that the kids in school tell all their friends. Hey, you know Johnny out by the tombs? Yeah, he was howling last night. Did you hear him? My goodness. Those demons must have been stirring him last night. That was this man just living out and everybody knew who he was. Bound up in chains and bound up and, and, and breaking off the, the, the bondages that were on him. Out of his mind. Can you imagine living to such a degree? I, I remember we had, a, we had a woman in one of our services. I, I told a story last week about a demon-possessed woman getting set free. This is another one. Um, but she was, I, I'll never forget, I was in, in the service preaching. And she, I was, I had walked up, there was a center aisle, and I had walked up the center aisle. And as I was walking up the aisle, she, this woman was coming at me. She was coming, I think I was even, I may have been praying for people, I don't remember. But I think I was. I was going through calling people out and praying over people as I was just walking around. And she was coming at me. And um, she wanted to stop 
what was happening in the service. She was demon-possessed. She wanted to stop what was happening. She was coming at me, and she got from me to the front row, and the power of God hit her, knocked her on the floor, and, and she starts manifesting. Of course, you know, the prayer team, ministry team comes and helps her, ministers to her, and I just keep on moving, praying for folks, and she got delivered. She got set free. God delivered her, and she was literally out of her mind. They were trying to talk to her, and she was so out of it. She couldn't even put sentences together, but when she got delivered and set free, she was back in her right mind and was able to make a story again, was able to tell what had happened to her. So this man was so deranged, so out of his mind, that, that he was screaming out at night. Do you get the picture? He's at night. He can't even sleep. He's tormented at night. He can't even go to sleep. He can't even lay his head down on the mountainside and try to get rest. The, the devils are tormenting him. And he's crying out all night long. He reminds me of someone that they might try to put into a circus. Box up in a cage and put on a circus display. Come see the deranged man. Come see the man who's out of his mind. Come see the man who breaks all the chains. He was absolutely tormented. In verse 6, it says, when he saw Jesus from afar. Everybody say, from afar. When he saw Jesus from afar. It reminds me about the prodigal son whom the father from a distance saw his son coming after him. Jesus from a distance saw the demon possessed man running after him. He had put himself in a place to come heal and deliver this broken man. Just like the father of the prodigal son put himself in a place to heal, to restore his wayward son. From afar. You know, you might be here this morning and see Jesus from afar. You see your problem. You see your torment. You see your issues. But in the background, in the distance, somewhere, there's Jesus coming after you. You hear the sounds of hope. You sing the song of joy. But he's still at a distance. Can I tell you, like the the demon-possessed man, run to him today. Run to Jesus. The Bible says that he ran and worshipped him. If only you can see him from afar, run after him. Run after him and worship him. That might be your only response, but it's the response that you need. You see him from afar like Zacchaeus who climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And from a distance he could see Jesus coming down the road. We use the phrase around here, you got to lay yourself in the path of allurement. Where's Jesus going? Where's Jesus headed? And get there. If you see him from a distance, run after him. In the middle of circumstance, run after Jesus. In the middle of your problem, run after Jesus. He saw him from afar. And he ran and worshipped. He ran and worshipped him. In the middle of his torment... This man who had been so controlled by the devils that were in him. He was breaking chains. The devils were causing him to break chains, causing him to howl at night, causing him to cut himself with stones. This man who was so controlled by the enemy, what does he do when he sees Jesus? He runs and he worships. 
You know, that's why we shouldn't have any problem worshiping Jesus wherever we go. We shouldn't have any problem out in the middle of the grocery store. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let me tell you about the goodness of the Lord. We shouldn't have any. If the devil does it, we ought to be doing it. He ran and worshiped. It was the one place. You never would have thought you would have found this tormented man worshiping at the feet of Jesus. He recognized the anointing on Jesus' life. The devils recognized the anointing on Jesus' life. The devils recognized this is what we're missing. This is the very thing that got us kicked out of heaven. We wanted... We wanted to touch that. We, we, were, we were judging that. And that's the thing. We wanted to be like him. And that got us kicked out. Did anybody hear me this morning? And the, the devils even saw it. That's, that's the creator. That's the, that's the anointed one. That's the Messiah. That's Christ. And they ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, verse 7. The demon-possessed man cries out with a loud voice, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Leave us alone. Don't torment me. I love this. Don't torment me. You know, you can wake up in the morning and you can be tormented or you can be a tormentor. (laughs) Jesus I know and Paul I know, but but who are you? (laughs) You You can wake up in the morning and decide, I'm not just going to let life happen. I'm just not going to just sit back and, and let the devil have his way. I'm going to torment him today. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting you got to wake up every morning and think about, how can I torment the devil today? I'm just, I'm just telling you, if you walk in the anointing that's on your life, if you'll walk in it and take the authority that Christ has given to you, Come on, somebody. I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting today. Don't torment me. Oh, I'm going to torment you. I'm going I'm to torment you a little bit more with the word of God. This will just keep going. I'm going to torment. This man was tormented in his mind by these devils. I want you to think about this. Tormented over the issues in his life. Tormented. Followed him every day, every morning, every night, every, everything he did from, from going from tomb to tomb, howling to whatever. The demons were with him, tormenting him. And the very thing they say is, don't torment us, Jesus, don't torment us. We can torment this man. We can, we can torment him every day, every morning. Our, listen, your problems don't want to hear the word of the Lord. The very thing that your problems want to hear is the word of Jesus. So stop talking about all your problems and start talking about the word of Jesus. The very thing that they can't stand, the problems. I know I'm personifying your problem. And maybe you see your problem. Maybe it is a person staring you right in the face right now. Instead of talking about them, start talking about Jesus. Start talking about his anointing. Start saying what his word says over that situation. And you will torment them to death. (laughs) Literally to death. (laughs) we'll read the rest of the story in a moment, but tormented them. He says, I implore you not to torment me. Verse 8, he said, 
Come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And what is your name? (laughs) And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged them earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Let me just first address this name, Legion. A Roman legion at that time was 6,000 soldiers, 3,000 foot soldiers, 3,000 horsemen. There, that, that means there could have been some estimate, estimate 6,000 demons in this man. It's interesting to me that they said that their name is Legion, but they said, don't send us out of the country. We like our house. We like where we're staying. Don't, don't send us out. You can cast us out of this man, but please don't send us out of this town because we really like this town. This town likes their sin. This town likes their demons. This town likes their problems. So, so don't, don't send us out of the town. At least let us stay here and hang out with the townspeople a little longer. You know, you have a problem when the demons like your home. We want to we blame everybody else for our problems. But if there's a demon camping out in your home, whose responsibility is it? Who opened the door? It's time to shut the door and cast the devil out of that blasted thing. It's time to deal with your demons. <laughs> time to deal with your problems. Let us stay. Let us hang out in the country a little while longer. You know, it's interesting. Jewish people have this thing about pigs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Pigs are unclean. What are they doing with a bunch of hogs? What are they doing with a bunch of pigs? If, if, they, if pigs are unclean, what are they doing having a bunch of pigs on the hillside? Anybody hear me? If the pigs are unclean, you see, we like to keep our pigs close. They might, they might be unclean, but, but let's keep them close. <laughs> let's, not, let's not touch our pigs. <laughs> and so, there was a large herd of swine feeding near the mountains. And the demons begged, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, about 2,000. They had to double up. (laughs) Let's get out of here. Jesus, the Son of God, is dealing with us. We got to get out. This man's getting set free, and we got to get to our new home. And they get the pig. Move over. Give me some space. No, you get over. That was the thing. That, I bet you that was the very thing that drove the pigs off of the thing. Get over. Move over. And they were so dumb. The devils are so stupid. They're busy fighting over who's going to get the head and who's going to get the tail. They end up off the side of the mountain. <laughs> and they, the, they ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. Now watch what happens. This is interesting. If that wasn't good enough, Jesus came and he set this man free. 6,000 demons gone at the command, leave this man gone, delivered. 
in his right mind, the Bible says clothed in his right mind, totally set free, totally delivered. But watch the people. So those who fed the swine fled the herd, the, the swine herders. Not the swine hearts, the swine herders that you're watching today. The swine herders thinking about you. And they told the city and the country, hey, you need to come see this. And they went out to see what had happened. What had happened? They wanted to know what had happened. (laughs) What was going on? What kind of ruckus is Jesus stirring up today? What's going on out there on the countryside? And they came to Jesus and they saw the one who, who had been. I mean, that, that, should, that ought to jump out at you. You ought to circle that. Who had been demon-possessed. This man who was once bound. This man who was notorious in the region. This man who had stories told about him. This man who was gossiped about and lied about. This man who was broken and hurting. This man who had been. That was his story, but today was a new day. That had been his story, but Jesus had set him free. That had been. Jesus showed up in his life. Jesus came across the sea in the middle of the night for this man. (laughs) And he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And what does it say? They were afraid. I want to pause there for a moment. The work of God will cause you to either pursue him greater or run in fear. You know, we see this lived out in the New Testament church as well in the book of Acts. When all of the signs and wonders were happening at the hands of the apostles, the Bible says that great fear came upon them all. The very thing that God uses to attract attention, we often run from. The thing that God does to say, hey, look at this redemption story. The thing that God says, hey, look at this. They're signs and wonders. They're called signs and wonders to make us wonder. They're called signs and wonders to get our attention. And Jesus is saying, look at this. See this sign, see this wonders to get our attention onto Jesus. But the tendency of the natural man is when God's moving and doing something supernatural, the natural wants to fear. The natural responds with fear. Why would they respond with fear? This man who had been tormenting them in the night hour, this man who they'd been trying to bind up and restrain to the tombs was now delivered. This man who was possessed by 6,000 devils was set free in his right mind, was no longer going to torment them. Why were they afraid? Is anybody scratching their head asking the same question? Let's keep reading. In verse 16 it says, And those who saw it told them, how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. They got mad 
that Jesus messed with their pigs. They got mad because Jesus messed with their 2,000 pigs hanging out. They weren't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to have them. But Jesus caused a slaughter that day. In New Orleans, we call it a boucherie. There's going to be a pig roast. They got mad because Jesus messed with their pigs. In other words, they were afraid because they lost control. They lost their profit. They lost their control. They lost their sin. They lost their weight. They lost the thing. Jesus was dealing with their issues. He wasn't just dealing with the demon-possessed man. He was dealing with the town who had a false sense of security in the things they possessed. And they were allowing sin to continue in their midst. Jesus was dealing with their hogs at the same time dealing with the demon-possessed. Jesus, don't touch my pigs. You can have my life, but don't touch my attitude. Jesus, you can have my life, but, but don't touch the offense. Jesus, you can have my life, but don't touch the addiction. Jesus, you can have my life, but don't touch the need for, for codependency. Come on, somebody. Shh, don't shout me down. Jesus, you can have it, but, but I, I only want to mature so far. I only want to go so far. Don't touch my pigs. Don't touch my hogs. You can, you can have the demons, but leave the pigs alone. This man who's been demon-possessed comes to Jesus, and I can't say that I blame him. Get me out of here. <laughs> Paraphrase. Let me go with you. <laughs> and what was Jesus? They began to plead with Jesus. Verse 17 says, they, ple- they began to plead with him to depart from their region. The creator of the world was standing in their midst. The one who had authority over these devils was standing in their midst. The author of salvation was standing in their midst. The one who's coming back as a conquering king was standing in their midst. Their heart was hardened to the excellency of Christ because they were too worried about their pigs and they missed the excellency of who was standing before them and said, get out. We don't want you in our town. Leave the devils. We know they want to stay. Leave the, leave the devils, but you go. Don't mess with our pigs. Leave the devils in our town. You leave. We like our issues. We like our problems. We, everything was nice and in order. We just ignored it. We went about our life and we just ignored it. We, we, we would go through. We, we liked our pigs on the hillside. You know, those unclean pigs. We liked those. We, just, we overlooked the fact that we're not supposed to have them. Come on now. We just overlooked. Come on, if you want to live a kingdom life. 
If you want to live a natural life, you can, you can have your pigs, your devils, and your problems too. But if you want to live a kingdom life, God's calling you up higher. He's calling you to a place to say, not only do those devils got to go, not only does the problem got to go, but the oink, oink has to go too. Yeah, I don't know about that. I like it's comfortable. I have control. I have a false sense of security that everything's okay. All the while living in torment. They were living in torment. They'd rather have the man howling at night than him being set free. Do you hear me? We sometimes I think we'd rather hear the howls of the hurt and the brokenness and the shame and the guilt and the whatever of our past. We'd rather hear that. We're comfortable with those tapes. But you start telling me to live a kingdom life. Start telling me to live a life of faith. Oh, I don't like that, pastor. That means I got to burn them old tapes. That means I got to let the stuff die. I got to have a pig roast. And put some things. I'm going to eat me some crackling, baby. Oh, that pig's going to fry. <laughs> For those that don't know, that's fried pig skin. It's really good. I'm going to get me some boudin. Some pork boudin. Some pork chops. Pork loin. Pork, ooh, some ribs. Gonna burn, baby, burn. You're going on the grill, buddy. But you know, we would we'd rather have the howling and the torment because we're used to those things. We're, we're accustomed to that. We're accustomed to going to bed at night being tormented and not able to sleep. We're accustomed to waking up in the morning thinking about our problems. We're accustomed to going through the day and finding all of our problems on Facebook and posting about them over and over and over. We're used to those cycles, but when God says, I'm calling you up higher, I'm calling you to a place of freedom, I'm calling you to a place of deliverance, I'm calling you into a place where those demons, those problems, and the oink oinks are gone. That's where he's trying to get you to. What does life look like when Jesus, Son of the Most High, walks in the room? And they were trying to run him out of town. Verse 18 says, when he got in the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him. <laughs> I want to go. And gee, yeah, these people are crazy. They don't know. They don't know what it's like to have 6,000 demons controlling everything you do. They don't know what it's like. You just set me free. It reminds me of Mary at Bethany, who had been set free, delivered, who walks in and begins to pour out her worship on Jesus' feet. She had been, she had been demon-possessed as well. She had, she had been possessed by the, the evil and torment, and she comes and places herself. Jesus, don't you know who that woman is? But the response of a heart that's been liberated is the response of worship. It's the response of saying, Lord, 
I need you. Lord, I worship you. Let me pour out my praise upon you. The heart that judges kicks Jesus out of town. The heart that judges the work of God. That's what it says. I'm not telling you anything that ain't in your Bible. Don't touch my pigs, Jesus. Don't come causing a chaos in my life. Everything was peachy king till you came in. Oh, yeah? It was great, wasn't it? It was good. You were... You had pigs living where they shouldn't be. You had a man who was out howling all night long. It was okay, though. <laughs> the men of your city were trying to bind him, and he, they, they couldn't. You, he was running around your city naked as a jaybird, and you think that's okay. <laughs> Jesus, don't touch my pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Three quick things. Salvation is the first step of restoration. There's a journey that God's called you to, and it's called the kingdom life. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, It is God who works both in you the will and the do, or the work for his good pleasure. He's calling you to walk out this kingdom life. And not only has he called you to, he is able to equip you with all power, all authority, all of the wisdom, everything that you have need to walk this life out, he's working in you. Or you can sit back and say, don't touch my pigs. I'm good to this point. I'm good at salvation, Lord. I'm good at praying a prayer. I'm, I'm, good, at, I'm good at putting on a show. I, I'm, I, we, can, we can make it look spiritual. We can make it look religious. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to meddle for a moment, so you just have to forgive me. We can make it look spiritual. We can make it look religious. We can, we can check all the boxes. But don't ever expect me to go beyond that. Don't touch my pigs. You can deliver me, but don't deal with them hogs. Don't deal with them attitudes. I'm just reading the Bible. Come on now. <laughs> Salvation's the first step, but Second Peter tells us to grow in the grace of the knowledge. Grow in the grace and the knowledge. There's an ever-expanding, ever-increasing place that you can go in the Lord. Grow in the grace. Grace after grace. Of His fullness, John said. Of His fullness, we've received grace for grace. It's just an ongoing cycle of uh, just drinking in His fullness. Just taking in His delight. Taking in his joy, taking in his peace, taking in his patience, receiving from the Lord. Grace for grace, grace for grace, from one place of glory to the next. Number two, a kingdom life is about living a life of divine order. Jesus wasn't just setting the demon-possessed man free. He was dealing with the order of the city. He was illuminating not just a problem in the man. They knew he had a problem. 
Everybody knew his problem. It was evident for all. What he was dealing with was all those religious people who said, we look good on the outside, but when you come look at our city, the devils would rather live there than... Come on, somebody. We, we, we're good with living out of order. Just don't touch our pigs. But when Jesus comes, kingdom life, I said it a couple of weeks ago, the word shalom is it's divine order, peace, everything in order, nothing missing, nothing broken. The pigs had to get dealt with. There was a slaughter going to happen. The prodigal, I referenced him earlier, but when the prodigal was hanging out with the pigs, Remember the story of the prodigal son? He was hanging out in the pig slop. And at some point, he had to come to his senses and say, uh, <laughs> at some point, you got to come to your senses <laughs> and say, how long will I live in the pig slop? How long will I deal with them oinkers on the hillside? How long am I going to deal with the hogs? How long am I going to let them stay? Or I'm going to say, I'm going back to my father's house. I'm getting things in order. I'm bringing divine order. The pigs, it's time for a slaughter. You're going on the altar. Romans tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. God is looking for you to put your pig on the altar and sacrifice it. He's looking for your obedience. He's wanting divine order in your life. Every area of your life, divine order. But sometimes that means I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave us. I've got to get some things on the altar. I am crucified with Christ. I didn't necessarily get up on the tree physically, but there was a day when Jesus went on that cross and the reality of his sacrifice became real for me in that moment. I was crucified. I was nailed in that moment to the cross. That means my pigs got to die. It's not always comfortable to hear your squealing pigs. I used to live, you know, not only did I live by a graveyard, I used to live by a pig farm, just a couple miles up the road. I don't know if you've ever lived by a pig farm. In Illinois, there's some pig farms. And I got to tell you, them pig farms, if there's a good wind blowing and you're down, (laughs) hallelujah. You can smell them a mile off. Zoe's got this book we read it the other night. It's called Oink. I should have brought it. It would have been a great sermon illustration. Could have read you a story time book. But they're in the book, they're on the farm, on a pig farm. And there's there's these pigs, and there's the rooster and the hen and the Squirrel and the rabbit and all these animals, they're all hanging out on the farm. Well, they see the pigs, and the pigs do what pigs do. They stink, and they're dirty, and they're hanging out in the mud. 
And so the, all the other animals detest the smelly, nasty nature of the pigs. And so what do they do? They decide that they need to help the pigs clean up a little bit. So they go to the pigs and ask the pigs, hey, why don't you, why don't you paint your fence white? And, and that might help you look a little better. So they try to help the pigs paint the fence. And of course, the pigs can't paint, but chickens can. I don't understand. But anyway... <laughs> So they paint the fence, up and down, sideways, sideways, they paint the fence. And then they need a bath, but pigs don't know how to dig a hole to take a bath. So whoever it was, one of the garden animals comes over and they do that. And then they need to eat green stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of brown mud, they need to eat green stuff. So the rabbit goes and picks all the green stuff and brings it over. And the very end of the book, you see all of these farm animals standing around looking at their pristine work. But guess what? The pigs were still muddy, nasty, stinky, and now they were fat, happy pigs because everybody had taken care of them. Oh, we like our pigs. Let's dress them up. Let's paint the fence. Let's give them some food. They'll smell better if they eat better things. And we, we do what? We try to dress up the pigs, make them look good. But at the end of the day, a pig is still a pig. <laughs> Don't get quiet on me now. I've been crucified with Christ. And thirdly, you got to keep your life anchored on the excellency of Jesus Christ. You got to keep your life anchored on Him. Well, I can't believe that's how Jesus handled it. He just killed all those pigs. I can't believe. He could have done anything He wanted to, He just murdered all those pigs. And we begin to judge the Creator over His deliverance and his work in our life, and we miss the order he's trying to bring. Lord, you didn't do it how I thought you should have. All the while, he's saying, I'm just trying to bring order to your life. Don't drive me out. Don't, don't drive me out. Don't be offended on my account. I'm just trying to get order into your life. I'm trying to bring peace into your life. I'm trying to bring shalom into your life. It reminds me of when Jesus was looking at his disciples and says, does this, this, this offend you also? There's the door. Don't allow the offense to drive you away from him, but anchor yourself on his excellency. That day, the gospel came near to that man. The gospel, the good news came near. The gospel came near to the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Jesus crossed over the sea to come near to a man who was possessed and tormented, broken and hurting. The gospel message came near that day. And to those that received him, he became the great deliverer. This man was known for being tormented. He was cutting himself, 
wailing at night, issue after issue after issue. Jesus came near and changed it in a moment. But there were those when the gospel came near, ran it out of town. There's always those when the gospel message comes near that will receive it and it's sweet like honey to their taste. His words become a light to their path. His ministry changes and transforms them. He calls them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then there are those who would rather maintain their religious effort at keeping things in their control that say when the gospel comes near, you need to leave. I pray, Lord, I want to live a kingdom life. I don't want to live a natural life, a carnal life that says you can only do it my way or the highway. But Lord, when you come to town and you want to deal with the pigs, let's have a boucherie. Let's put them on the sacrifice. Let's let's deal with the hogs. I want to encourage you today, worship team, y'all can come back. I want to encourage you as the worship team comes. I know, I know, I know as your pastor. You see, as, as, as a preacher, as the pastor, I have a unique opportunity. I have an opportunity to know you. And I have an opportunity to know for some what's happening in your world. And then as a pastor, I have a unique opportunity of hearing from the Lord. And I have an opportunity to know what he's saying. And there's those moments where God brings, like this morning, he brings them together. And says, it's time to deal with them hogs. It's time to deal with those pigs that you've been keeping close to feel good about yourself. Can I just speak maybe this morning right now as a shepherd and say, I've been, I've been more proclaiming the word to you and I want to speak as a shepherd right now. And say there's things you've been keeping close because it's comfortable. There's things the Lord's, and it may not even be bad things. It's just pigs. You've put your reliance on something or someone else. It's just a pig. Doesn't mean that you're a horrible, rotten person. We all are. It just means you got a pig. You've been keeping a pet in your backyard, and it's smelling up the neighborhood. It's time to deal with the pig. doesn't mean that you're going to hell. It just means you got a pig that Jesus is trying to butcher. He wants you to be free. He wants you to live a kingdom life. And he wants you to bring your pig to the altar of sacrifice and say, I'm not going to hold on to this 
lie anymore? Because you know, that's really what it was. We can have pigs. It's okay. They're out on the, they're on the outside of town. We can have pigs. They're outside of town. We've got, sh- we've got, uh, not sheep, shepherds. We've got pig herders, swine herders. We got them. We got the swine hearts. They're out with the pigs. We got them shepherding our pigs. We're good. You can call it what you want. It's still a lie. They're still not supposed to be there. Did you hear me? Still not supposed to be there. Y'all getting quiet on me this morning. Saying, Pastor, stop preaching. So bring the hogs and have a butcher today. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. We don't have to carry around the lies any longer. Thank you, Lord. We don't have to carry around the, the attitudes any longer. We don't have to we don't have to argue over who's in control. Because the gospel's come near. The anointing has come near. The Messiah has come near. Lord, we know you don't come in judgment of us. You're coming to deliver us. You come to set us free. You're come to call us up higher coming to call us to live a life of faith. Jesus, I pray for those who are here this morning. Lord, that they have had ears to hear and the seed's been sown. And so, Lord, I ask for a harvest. Lord, this year, you're calling them up higher. You're calling them into a new place of living. But those old wineskins have got to go. The old ways of doing things, the, the old habits, the pig slot, it's getting cleaned out. Jesus, we surrender. We come running to worship. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.